This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of I Want to Matter. Your life is too short and too precious to waste. Written and narrated by New York Times bestseller Kathy Lee Gifford. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Dynamic voices for a diverse church. This is Pass the Mic. So my name is Allie Henney, and I am Vice President of The Witness, a Black Christian Collective. And I am also the host of the Combing the Roots podcast. We are, I guess, I was going to say like excited, happy, use all that kind of language. I'm not really sure how to talk about it. This is a somber moment. And so we're coming to you all in a moment that we're going to speak to. And so, um, so we got Tyler Burns. What's up, Tom? He is president of The Witness, a Black Christian collective. And let me see if our other guest pops up here. But, but what's, what's good or what's cracking right now, Tyler? It's a lot. It's a lot going on. It is. There's a, there's a lot. There is a lot cracking. It's a complicated right question. Complicated question. It's very complicated. So tonight we are going to be addressing um, what's in the room, the, the elephant in the room, but it's not really an elephant. It's just a thing that has happened. So it's been, what, two hours, an hour and a half since the George Floyd, um, Derek Chauvin uh, murder trial, that whole thing or whatever. I'm not sure. Was it a murder trial? How was it characterized? See, I, I have to admit that I didn't actually watch it. Um, today was the first time that I watched anything that I watched anything related to it. But so yeah. was murder trial? Was it a I, look, police I, brutality trial? What, 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 what was the nature of it even? I guess, I guess we can call that a murder trial. I've kept it at arm's length as much as I possibly can mm-hmm. just due to the fact that, you know, you don't want to inundate yourself with the deluge of, of, you know, re-traumatizing, uh, scenarios and hearing evidence and hearing interrogation and and nonsense. And so uh, actually the only time I really took a look at it is when I knew, when I heard um, that they were deliberating. That was yesterday. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I heard that they were deliberating, I was like, oh, okay. You know, well now I should probably figure out, you know, what some of the charges might be and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, I guess we can we can call it a murder trial. You know, somebody even said in the comments it's a murder trial. So I guess we can call it a murder trial. I guess we can call it that. It's like I'm not sure what the what the term what the uh, terminology for that was, but yeah. So tonight we're discussing the verdict for the murder trial. George Floyd was the brother who was murdered. Who um, I have not seen the video. I've managed to not see the video um, for the whole year. I decided after a mod that I wasn't out here trying to watch it, out here trying to watch Black Death. Um, but it's been a year. And I think a lot of America, a lot of the world, if we didn't actually watch the video, then if we didn't actually um, watch the, the whole thing, we were aware of what happened. Mm-hmm. And so now we're here. And so unfortunately, our, our second guest, they're not able to join like the the thing isn't isn't letting them yeah yeah it's not it's not not letting her join okay so so i'll so keep watching and i'll 
at a certain point, I'll hop off and bring, let you bring her on. Cause I okay. think that would be really dope. You know, okay, cool. I love, I want to get her perspective on this. I think it's going to be really helpful. So, but yeah, we can chop it up for a little bit. Then we'll, we'll, I'll pass the mic to her. Oh, okay. Okay, good, good. Okay. I 10, 10, four, we are, we're here. We're here. We weren't expecting to do this. We, we weren't, we, we were not, no, we were not expecting to do this. In fact, Tyler and I had a conversation today where we were talking about, well, what do we do? Whatever, whatever the verdict comes. And so we were thinking that it was maybe going to be you know, tomorrow or Thursday and we would still come on our pre play conversation um, was going to be talking about the black liturgies episode, but here we are talking about a verdict. So, you know, I know I asked you, I asked you how you, how you felt just kind of in general. And I think that we both kind of feel just kind of bewildered and kind of, okay, this is a, this is a thing. So just, just what are some of your, your reactions to yeah. what happened? Yeah. So I think um, a couple of things rise to the surface. So the first one is there is a sense of relief at this particular verdict. All of Black life, it seems, in America is built upon this concept of threat mitigation, harm reduction, survival. And so while nothing in this country is as it should be for us, what we what we realize is that some outcomes are better than others. You know, some outcomes are more just than others are, even if they do not reach the standard of what true justice is. And so from a harm reduction standpoint, as a respite from the pain, um, I, I breathed a sigh of relief earlier. Mm. A sigh of relief in, in the sense that George Floyd's family at least is able to not suffer the indignity that so many other Black families had. And, and in this kind of time, in, in probably the highest profile case, Mm. Um, of police brutality that we've had in quite some time, if not ever. And so there was, there was that sense, right? So there was, there was relief on one side. And then there was this other sense of impending doom. Mm. And I think the reason for this is um, Willie Jennings talks about this in an essay that I was reading actually earlier this week. And he says that all of Black life is, is lived in what he calls the breaks, Hmm. And the breaks almost in between musical movements of violence in this country that we have completely wholesale as a culture um, imbibed the ideas that violence is normative, that death, Mm -hmm. specifically black death, Mm -hmm. is is required Mm. and that all of black life lives in the breaks. So we live in respites and moments in between movements of violence. And I think about the concurrent realities of uh, Dante Wright. And I think about the concurrent realities of um, the young man, Anthony in Tennessee. And I think of the Breonna Taylor police officer getting a book deal. I think of all these things kind of, and we're moving in respites. We're in respites between massive tragic instances and traumatic instances of violence. And so I think it it causes me to ask deeper questions about us and about how we're actually doing. Um, and you know, the the third the third thing, you know, and I think our second guest is gonna get into this, but you know, we we use words very flippantly. And, you know, I understand what people mean when they say justice, right? 
just mm-hmm. this game. But here's the truth of the matter. Most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, are new to using that word. Mm-hmm. And we're newer in the sense of the past decade or so, eight years, seven, eight years. Most of us were not, you know, some of us were, and that's awesome. But most of us are not familiar with integrating justice with our belief in Jesus. And so we use those words very flippantly. And is this justice or is this accountability? Mm. And justice justice, how most of us perceive it, is defined by the system that doesn't give it to us. Mm. So a system that does not bring justice does not get to define it. And and who, we see that right here, we we see that, that there has been a conviction for the individual, but who will indict the institution? Mm, mm mm-mm. Who will indict the institution that allows this system to take Black life with abandon and then cry shock? This is not how we trained you. Mm. As if the system itself is not set up to subjugate and harass and oppress Black and brown bodies. Mm -hmm. And so I'm glad for the relief and I'm most glad for the Floyd family. But if we don't stop calling this justice, a just society would not have allowed George Floyd to be murdered. Mm-hmm. Well, a just society is a society in which Michael Brown and Tamir Rice and Philando Castile and Alton Sterling and Trayvon Martin and Sandra Bland and Renisha McBride and Tatiana Jefferson can live. That's a just system. We haven't received justice. The system has given us a moment of accountability. Mm. There's a difference, y'all. And so America's idea of justice, the the unjust system, the yet-to-be-United States that we live in, is not God's idea of justice. Mm. And they do not get to trick us into thinking that because they indicted one officer of terror Mm. in Mm. one of many incidents that we have had to watch and be subjected to trauma because of, they don't get to tell us what justice is. Mm. Whole system's guilty. Look, mm, mm-mm. that's what I'm thinking right now. Mm. Well, that that's deep. Oh my goodness, that is so deep, fam. You know, I look at Amos 24, where it talks about let, let justice roll like a mighty river. And I I agree with what you're saying about there's a difference between justice and accountability. And the way that I envision it is that this is Derek Chauvin being convicted is one drop. Hmm. It's not, it's not justice. It's one drop in the river that will roll that of justice that will roll down. So we can't sit here and act like I've seen it already. And I think that a lot of our white siblings and maybe this is some of the black ones too, but I think a lot of our white siblings see, 
okay, well, you know, we didn't get George Zimmerman. We didn't get the people that, that killed, um, that killed Breonna Taylor. We didn't get the, we didn't even get anything with, um, with the people who, with the person, with the system that, that killed Sandra Bland. We haven't gotten anything for, for Atatiana. We haven't gotten anything for Rakia Boyd. Um, we haven't gotten anything for Anisha McBride. Um, we got some, a little bit of something maybe for, for, for both of them, John, but like, overall there's just the the system hasn't really done anything so they feel like oh well cool like this guy was guilty and we saw it on the video and so then so now like we can rejoice and we can be happy because justice because justice was served and justice was not served like the it took there being multiple videos it took Mm -hmm. literal children being traumatized it took a crowd of people watching a crowd of people standing there for how long for for half an hour at least watching this happen and there was still questions they were still trying to blame this black man for his death and that's more than just well well it was the tactic tactic of the defense blah 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 it was America that mm. still had to be convinced. Uh, in fact, just this morning, I didn't read all the all the comments or whatever. Um, but but a, a Facebook friend of mine, somebody that, that I attended church with many many years ago, um, had said something on on Facebook. Oh, probably like four or five days ago about, she was just like, I don't know how any Christian can watch this trial and see that this man isn't, and say that this man isn't guilty and say that this, that there, that there shouldn't be justice. Like that, like there's a problem. So she said that I was like, Ooh, her comment, RIP, her comment section, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. like, 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 that comment like, section R- up, it's this, up. This, this, is, this is a white lady, but I was like, you know, it's R- above R- us R- now. R.I.P. her is is above me now. R.I.P. her comment section. R.I.P. her notifications. And you know, sure as shooting this morning, I looked and there were people that were talking about due process, and they were like, "Oh, some of the some of the people I, I blocked." So I was just like, "Whatever," because I, I was mm-hmm. only like, like seeing like little parts of the conversation. But they were talking about you know due process and all this other type of stuff. And so you know, I don't usually do this, but I was just like because because you know she she stood with me in some different moments and stuff. And so I was like, let me I'm gonna go ahead and message her. So I messaged her and I was like, what you say? Because I wasn't gonna jump on that thread because I don't because I don't have the spoons to do that. So I was just like, what you said was absolutely right. I don't understand how these people mm-hmm. can do this. And I was just like, you know, these people are out here talking about due process for Derek Chauvin. But where's due process for George Floyd? Mm. Where where was mm. due, where was due process for him? So people people want to talk about oh the system and how well this well the system work. Like I I saw a well known um, white pastor who was like well you know this is this is what law and order looks like blah 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 blah. And I'm just like no it's not the whole system the the system is broken the system is guilty the system like, like this is like yeah there yes. are individual actors. There in, there were individual bad actors that did some things, and yeah. that's and that's and that's wrong. And I, I I think that where I'm at is I'm having difficulty. I'm gonna be controversial here for a second, but I'm having difficulty really, I guess, celebrating this in any measure yeah. mm-hmm. because I I am someone that 
I, I think that the system is wrong. And so I think that the, the idea of incarcerating people, putting people in cages, treating people like animals, subjecting them to that, to that system, I think that that's wrong. And so I do think that there should be consequences. I'm not really sure. I haven't fully visualized. I haven't fully thought through what consequences for this type, for this type of thing should be, but it's a system, it's a system that we have, but the system in itself is flawed. But going back to my original point. So the idea that, you know, somebody's found guilty of something and then, you know, he's going to spend 40 years in a cage for, for something. I don't, like, like to me, that doesn't feel, that doesn't feel like any kind of justice whenever George mm-hmm. Floyd is dead. Like he's de- like that man yeah. is dead and somebody gets to spend 40 years in a, in a cage for, for, for that. And that just doesn't seem like, that doesn't seem like a fair, like, like, like that, that doesn't seem fair. That doesn't seem just, it doesn't yeah. seem like anything. Now I don't know what the alternative is. Right. I don't know what the alternative is. I don't know what that, what that looks like, but what I can say is that going back to my original point, it took all of that. It Mm. took a video close up in high definition for that, for that conclusion to be, to be reached. We haven't even, so, so that happened. We got, we got justice in that situation or we got accountability in that situation, but 13 miles, 11 miles from where that verdict was read, Dante Wright was Dante killed. Wright. Over next next major city over in Chicago, Adam Toledo was yes. was shot. Had his had his hands up and was this this little Hispanic boy shot shot in an alley here in Chicago. Yes. Yes. So so this is one person. This is yeah. one person who got according to the system, according to whatever. That they, they they got they got what they they got what they deserved accordingly, but the system is still guilty. The system is still there. So my question yeah. is, what do we what do we do? Where what is what's what's the next step? What's the what's what's the next thing? That, not necessarily. I'm not talking like necessarily practical next step. If you want to speak to right. that, that's fine. But I mean, what I see is that there's a, is that there's a whole entire system that is still intact. Yes. Somebody, an off, a police officer can go out tomorrow and do the same thing that Derek Chauvin did, could do the same thing. I would even say in the same jurisdiction Yes, and might not be convicted. And yes. that's a problem. And the other problem is the hearts and minds problem, which is the pervasive problem that people, people's consciences I'm just uh, I'm keep it buck. White people's consciences are so seared that they can, hmm. and a few choice Negroes, their consciences are so seared to black death that you can watch somebody for nine minutes and 29 seconds or eight minutes and 46 seconds, whatever the amount of time was, you can watch that and then, and, and not be mad. You can watch that and my, my, my. understand why people are tearing stuff up in Chicago and why people were tearing stuff up in Milwaukee and why people were tearing stuff up in Minneapolis and why people were tearing stuff up in DC. You can watch that and just be and just be okay and and, and your my, spirit my, my. not be not, not be moved and your spirit not be disturbed. You can watch that and still be like, oh, you know, but we need due process. Of course the white man is gonna get due process. Mm. That's not even that's not even a question. They didn't they, they were gonna drag him out and lynch him. Him, but George Floyd got lynched. Hmm. 
the George Floyd got lynched. He, wow. didn't get the he didn't even get the chance to sit in front of a jury. Sitting in front of a jury, that's white, that is white privilege. That's privilege to be able to sit in front of a jury for your crimes. So I so I so anyway, let me let me wow. let me hush here. Wow. But 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 what do we do? How do we what, what do we visualize? What do what what do we think? What do we think when we get up in the in, in the morning tomorrow, Tyler? What a word. Oh my goodness, what a word. Um you know, Yolanda Pierce, uh, the uh, dean of uh, Howard University's uh, Divinity School of Divinity, and the uh, she wrote a book called "In My Grandmother's House," which I'm reading right now, which is phenomenal. And uh, she said that our tears are all the emotions that we don't have words for. Mm. It's the tension of all the emotions we don't have words for, and um, you know, I. I I really hope that our people can can weep well now. Mm. Yeah, I really I really hope we can weep weep well. I hope we can cry like we're supposed to cry. Um, I hope we can. Um, I hope we can lament for real now, knowing that there was accountability. In some sense, that there was a moment of relief. And so for us, Ali, I'm thinking about our tears today. I'm just thinking mm. about our tears. I'm thinking about all that pain. I'm thinking about all that, ah, uh, you know, all that feeling that we have that we can't put into words. I'm thinking about that. And I'm just, I just want, I just want our people to be able to cry and for those tears not to be wasted. You know, I want us to be able to weep well. Um. You know, to that point, it's it's so it's so interesting. It's so interesting that you mentioned this because I was reading an article right before we got on uh, that my friend Bradford sent to me and a group of us in a, in a group chat, and he said, um, "Yo," he said, um, "He said, yo, y'all got to read this." So it's it's an article entitled uh, "Derek Chauvin: The Derek Chauvin Verdict Is Injustice; It's Self Preservation." Ooh, mm mm. And, and oh, I, I wish I could just read this article for y'all because it's just wild. Um, and so it's it's very interesting, right? So the, the the author is saying, you know, this is really interesting because it is easy to throw Derek Chauvin under the bus mm. as a means to convince people that the system works. When when police officers kill with wanton abandon <laughs> every week, every month every year Mm -hmm. and when one gets convicted in a high profile case now he bears all the sins of the system Ooh, Mm. Mm -mm. rather than the system itself being interrogated and questioned um and and when we get to the place where we have allowed people to become the the representation of, of systemic issues, which we refuse to address. Mm. We refuse to, to, to deal with. We have to ask the question, when will we be so exhausted that this continuation of this status quo is no longer acceptable? Mm. It is no longer acceptable. Mm-hmm. And we are prepared to put things on the line to ensure that our children and generations that come behind us do not feel this pain. 
Mm. And do not have to question if their tears will matter and if their bodies um, will be abused by this unjust system. Um, mm. and, and there's not a sense of it. We're not exhausted yet. Mm. We're not. As a society, Black people are. But yeah. as a society, our society is not exhausted. We are exhausted. Mm-hmm. We're, we're way past that point. Centuries ago. <laughs> mm. But the society is not exhausted. And it's so interesting because w- the responses show you that that society is not exhausted. Watch the Christian responses. Mm-hmm. Well, praise God. On to the next. Well. Okay. Now, your attention on this trial and the energy that you put into this trial and watching it and praying should now be shifted toward Dante Wright because he got a video too and his life mattered too and he has a family and he's created in the image of God too but they don't think like that. They think we did it. Mm-hmm. And you have a premature celebration about a system that still terrorizes. Do mm-hmm. you think that we will be more relieved or more at peace when a police officer or law enforcement pulls us over? Heavens, no. No. There's no way we will be. And so I I think, I think, and what I'm getting at here, y'all, is we have to reimagine the system and our place in it. Mm. And, and, And the best of Black people who have gone before us the best of black Christians who have gone before us have reimagined their place in the system itself mm. and reminded themselves of their intrinsic worth and value. And that is an in-house community project. It is a communal project for us to reimagine ourselves in a system that would actually value our bodies. It does not exist currently and it never has. So we must reimagine what it can look like. And so let me let me say this as a word of caution before I kick it back to you and probably bring on our next guest. But let me say this as a word of caution. Be very careful about labeling necessary changes to reimagine who we can be in this system and who we should be in this unjust society and country. Be very careful about labeling that radical or militant. Be very careful. The system that requires question about a life that was taken in front of all of our faces is a radically dangerous, unjust system. Let it be radical if it needs to be. Be careful about dismissing radical changes as wrong, as unchristian, we need table flipping believers. Mm, look. We need ta- we talk about flipping tables, but we never do it. We need table flipping believers. Look. Don't 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 call people who are who are prison abolitionists. You may not agree with them. Don't call don't call them wild. Don't don't otherize them. Mm, don't otherize them. Mm. We, we need to have a dialogue because mm. this, whatever this is, ain't working. So I ain't defending this. So you got something else? Okay, well, I'm, I want to hear it. Let's have a conversation about this. No, no, we need to talk. Because if you imagine feeling like this, oh, I don't want to feel like this anymore. And if, 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 if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, it's time for us 
to make a radical change so mm. that equity and justice won't be radical. And mm. I, I, look, stop telling people, man, you know, y'all doing too much and you just listen. Oh, you, you messing with... They trying to save our lives. Mm. <laughs> and, and we, their own people are saying it's too much. When we, mm. know, when we know the names, we know that we know the names. We've seen them. We've read them. We know their faces. Mm. I, I'm going to add to that because I was going to add to it. I'm going to stir the pot oh. that let's not um, try to try to baptize a white supremacist system as Christian just because it's what we're used to and because it's what is normative. Mm. And so oftentimes, whenever those quote unquote radical or quote unquote militant voices come up, the first thing that Christians of all stripes and colors do is, well, well, is that is that a Christ-centered perspective? Is that a biblical perspective? Mm. Is that whatever? And but then you don't, but you're not questioning the system that was literally created on white supremacy. You're not questioning that. You want to preserve that system. You want to mm. work within that system, but you are questioning the alternative. And you're and you're looking at the as somebody's present somebody is presenting a different way. Somebody is coming to you and presenting a different way. We want and we want to be incredulous and we want to get out our scripture and we want and we want a proof text and we want whatever. Now hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying hear, hear what I'm saying here. Yes, we should look at yes. what we decide to do as Christians, what movements we yoke ourselves to, everything. Absolutely. We should see we should yoke that with what the scripture says. We should yoke that with where where our conscience allows us to go. What I am speaking against is what I feel like is a reflexive reflexive reaction by black Christians especially and specifically, but it's also true for white Christians too, where there is this reflexive need to automatically try to baptize something and mm. to automatically, to, to automatically be, you, you have to, you have to, you have to make sure that it's biblically grounded, grounded. You have to make sure that it's whatever. And I, and, and I feel like that that is a form of legalism. I feel like it's a form is a form of spiritual bondage because again, you will question, you will, you will tear something out. You will tear somebody down for being militant or for being radical, or not. even you will look at the tone and you'll see that you'll hear the tone and be like, oh, well, I don't like the tone or I don't like who is at in the movement. So because I don't agree with some of the people who are in the movement and what some of those people look like, who they love who they're married mm -hmm. to, mm -hmm. how they present themselves, what words they use or whatever. Mm -hmm. You want to say d discount a movement on a genetic fallacy, on a fallacy that says, well, because, because the people who the movement is coming from, it can't be right. There can't be anything redemptive about it because it's, because it's coming from people who make me uncomfortable. And so yes. I think that we need to, that, that as black Christians, we need to be very wary of, saying well we well propping up the current system that we have that hey guess what was built by people who profess christ but weren't be living a christ-centered or a biblical or bible-centered <laughs> right which is, that, which is very interesting yes but, but we want to but we want to but we're okay with that we want to try to and we want to try to fix that system and we want to try to whatever yeah. and i don't i'm not saying I don't, I don't know what the answer is i just like you said the system that we have isn't working 
yet we want yet we want to keep we we want to keep on going and the last thing i'll say is common common grace i mean common grace folks and i think that that we that that black christians need a robust theology of common grace and understanding that and somebody just said it here in the comments too that all truth is god's truth and so what who regardless of who it comes from we can we can take the truth yeah. Oh yeah. If you need to, you know, throw throw a little Jesus on it if you, if, it, if it makes you feel good to do that. But let's not throw yeah. let's not throw people away. Let's not throw abolitionists. Let's not throw activists. Let's not throw people away or throw movements or throw ideas away just because it makes it, it makes our little Christian bubble feel uncomfortable. Yeah, and I think what's so important, and this is the last thing I say before we get a second guess in, but this what I think is so important is you know. We have to ask the question of what, what is our hesitation and our fear? I think there is always a necessity for believers and leaders, uh, spiritual leaders, uh, Christian leaders, to think about the, the spiritual ramifications of anything, mm-hmm. right? And everything. I, I think that is right and true and, and good. I think what, what really resonates about what you're saying though is oftentimes our, our fear of connecting ourselves to a movement um, or to protest or to march is uh, rooted in what will white Christians say about me being here. And so our, our ideas of, of questioning whether or not something is appropriately orthodox or, or Christ-centered is, is, you know, the, the idea of, oh, is this Christ-centered is a good idea in and of itself. But our idea of Christ centered has often been influenced by people who have held spiritual authority over us and who have said that even the black churches that we go to are, are not faithful enough for them. And so it causes us to question. And so I think, I think this is so important is how do we decolonize this table and make sure that this table, we are having robust theological, biblical discussions that center the black theological perspective and not the white gatekeepers who have told us that we're not orthodox enough. And so sometimes people say, man, I, you know, I want to wrestle with this because I think it's important for me to make sure that I'm involved in something that connects with my own convictions of the Bible and Christ. And I say, great. And other times they're afraid. What will they say? Mm -hmm. What will they say about me? Will I be lumped into this camp? What videos will they make about me? What subtweets will they give to me? What? And now, if you you're starting to fear people, mm-hmm. and if and if you fear people, you shouldn't have become a servant of Christ. Right? Well, and that's Bible. Well, yeah. so 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 that is that is I think what resonates so much about that because sometimes we have to really check ourselves and be honest about the fact that man, maybe. Maybe what we're sensing is a hesitation that comes from white Christian, you know, norms that are extra biblical mm. <laughs> than biblical. So there's so much to unpack about that, so much to get into. But um, someone asked, a couple of people asked in the comments, the article, I believe, is um, Derek Chauvin's verdict is not about um, justice is not justice. It's self-preservation. I think it's on the Intelligencer blog, if I'm not mistaken. 
um, that is something I'll probably share it on my um, my IG story once we're off. But yo, Ali, thank you for this. I'm glad we hopped on. You've encouraged me. My spirit has been lifted in our conversation and just seeing the black Christian comments. Um, y'all are why we do this. So thank mm-hmm. you so much, Ali, for going ahead and pushing me to go ahead and hop on and press live. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Hang, hang around just in case we have technical difficulties. I will. I will. Hey, hang around. Hang around. This episode is brought to you in part by Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. Pittsburgh Theological Seminary students are grounded in faith and formed in community. PTS students are preparing for ministry with Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, Doctor of Ministry, and Certificate Programs. Begin your Master's or Certificate Program in person or online. Financial aid is available. Visit pts.edu admit. Alrighty. So, yeah, so, so much. Look, y'all, this is, this is a lot, fam. This is a whole lot. So for the second part of this discussion, um, I want to bring in someone who is new to the witness. Well, look, 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 look at my head wrap. There we go. My head wrap uh, on here looking all silly. So anyway, um, so I want to bring in somebody who is new to the witness fold, to the new witness bubble, new witness bubble. I can't talk. I, let me, let me just, let me just bring her on. I can't, I can't, I can't speak. So let me bring her on. All right. We're going live here. This is, this is the world premiere. The whole world. History has its eyes. Ah, uh, here we go. Okay. Okay. Hello. So, this is Bria Perry. She is in North Carolina. She is really, really super awesome. Um, she is the content distributor for the Witness Black Christian Collective. Mm-hmm. And so I, I mentioned, I mentioned where she's from. She's a she's a Southerner. She was a, yeah, she's got a little, a little Southern accent and stuff going, which I which I love. Which I mean, I'm country and Western <laughs> and whatever. Um, I don't so even I probably have, that I have a Southern Southern accent. I'm like, <laughs> you, have, you have a little one. You have what little is it? <laughs> you, have, you have a little one. But I am so happy that you're here, Bria. Say hi to everybody. Hello, everyone. I am excited to talk to y'all, and yeah. I'm honored to be here. This has been great. So look, I put out my notebook. I started taking notes because y'all just be out here just, just, just <laughs> coming from my life every single time. This is why our staff meetings run over because y'all just like come up, come, come for our lives every single time. <laughs> no, great. We love it. Yeah, yeah, you know, it, it, I, whoever Tyler and I get together, it can it can be something. If we're if we're not fighting, which is something that Tyler and I, Tyler and I <laughs> yeah, do. Yeah, sometimes mom and dad fight. We, we we argue uh, <laughs> a lot. Whatever we don't argue, yeah, you know, we we I, I I fully own that we can that we can be uh we can be a little bit much uh, together. But Bria, it is such an honor. You say it's an honor for you to be honored. It's such an honor to have you here. Bria's been working on our team uh, since December. Uh, 
And so she's the person that most of the time, whenever you see stuff out there on social media, she's the person who has written the copy for it. She's the person who's put it in the thing to get it going. Um, she's designed some of our graphics, some of our different stuff. So I'm, I'm really excited um, to have her on here and hopefully y'all will be able to, to see and hear more from Bria. But the occasion that Bria is here, of course, we are here discussing the Derek Chauvin verdict. And, and how, how are you feeling about that? I know that you that you have some feelings going into it. Yeah, um, I think that I went into it because I so like both both you and Tyler said, I had not really been um really paying attention to the entire trial. I was like, there is no need to re-traumatize myself. Um, we, we kind of, there's, there's, there's two things that can happen and we'll be there when it happens. Um, so I had kind of like shut myself off from that, but then saw that um, the results, the, the verdict would come in today. And for, first, whenever I see, whenever this happens ever, um, I have to decide first to get off of, like digital, social media, internet for just a second, just to decide how I'm feeling before I start mm. taking in everybody else's emotions. Cause sometimes mm. everybody else, when you're seeing everybody else talk and um, which, you know, is not a bad thing, but you know, whenever everybody yeah. else is posting on things, you can absorb their emotions in ways that are not authentic to what you're actually feeling. Mm. So I had to decide that for myself. And um, basically I told myself like, look, it's either going to be guilty or not guilty. And regardless of what happens, we know that we know that this one, um, this one decision is not going to change that this whole system is guilty mm. and the work is still, the work is still the work. The work is still ahead. Um, my work in organizing for the liberation of my people has not changed. Um, mm. Our work, I should say our work because it is a collective work has not changed. Um, and so I immediately started um, praying, of course, for the family and friends because they're at the forefront of this, especially his daughter, especially his um, his mother. Um, and, you know, everybody, everybody in the city, really, the community, because this is not just grief for mm -hmm. the family and friends. This is grief for the entire city of Minneapolis. This is grief for the entire state. And, of course, it's collective grief for Black people. So I just prayed that we would be able to lament well and not skip, uh, I, I'll say, uh, skip uh, steps in the lament and the grief process to really, like, let it settle in whatever ways um, we needed to do that. Um, and then when the when the verdict came in, I think there's I think there's only so much preparation you can do for yourself because sometimes your your emotions mm -hmm. are uncontrollable. And so of mm -hmm. course, you know, I can decide all these things and know all these things. But um when the verdict came in, to be honest with you, I don't know if I breathed any easier. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I think that and of course, you know, those who who felt who felt like they were breathing easier, of course, um, you're valid in that. But I think that or I won't say that. I'll say that I breathed easier, but not because of the trial, not because of the verdict, mm -hmm. but because mm -hmm. I know that there's eternal peace in being able to rest in Jesus. But I cannot rest in whatever the system decides to give us. I just I can't I can't rest in a system that was built 
on the mutilated backs of my ancestors. That's never going, that's never going to be able to dispatch justice for me, no matter what um, they do or say or decide to try to um, rehabilitate the image that they had to the public. Mm. It's not just like rehabilitate the image. Mm-mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's the, I'm trying to figure out if I want to say this. I will say it. Um, <laughs> I believe that people are are be are able to be redeemed, but systems that are built on the exploited labor and the backs again of our mutilated ancestors is never going to be redeemed. At some point, it's going to have to burn in hell. So I'm never going to rest in something that I know is going to burn in hell at some point um, from eternity. So. Mm. My rest is in Jesus. It's not in this system. Amen. Amen. And you know, you named something that I think is very important um, because there's because there's definitely attention. I mean, there there are black people who are celebrating this verdict, mm-hmm. and I want to hold space for that. But my my feelings, my emotions, I think were very similar to to how you felt that I just kind of watched I was bracing myself for what happens if it's not guilty not guilty not guilty what what is my reaction going to be and you know and I'm, and I'm thinking about this you know as um, my, my children are are in the house or were coming in the house mm-hmm. um, right as they were mm-hmm. getting ready to ready to announce the, the verdict my, my oldest was was on her way home from school and everything and so I'm just like what is what's the what is my physical reaction going to be? What's my emotional reaction going to be? And I, I think that you named something that's very important there. That that yeah, there are people who are celebrating. There are people who are who are happy that they. I mean, I I was watching some of the press conference and stuff um, that the that the attorney general had that the um, family and the. Reverend Sharpton and all these other people had <laughs> afterward, and I could tell that they felt very light. And I and I again respect that, yeah. hold space for that. They have been through it, right? <laughs> they have they have utterly have been yeah, through it. They, they, been they, the they deserve to have moments to laugh. Mm-hmm. They deserve to have moments to uh, of, of levity or whatever. But I could not help but feel still feel the tension right and to still feel like the system is still intact the system is still is still there yeah and you know you and tyler both in in different ways hit on this idea of okay he was found guilty the system's still there but even there's almost a performative element mm-hmm. to chauvin being found guilty and i can't and i can't overlook that i can't overlook that okay one person was found was found guilty and for what it took for them to be found guilty and the thing that the thing that gets me to is um a friend of mine um a friend of mine named named ernest he was talking about how he was just like i'm not i'm not gonna watch these videos i think he was talking about like dante right and and um whatever he's and and i think also adam toledo he was just like mm-hmm. I'm not going to watch these videos. These videos have become modern day snuff films and I'm not here for it. And I was like, Ooh, okay. Yes. Yes. That, that, that makes sense. But that, but that it takes that, that it takes that having that on film and we watch that for there to even be a drop of justice. I keep, I keep coming back to that. 
And I just, and I, and I cannot get past, I keep coming back to it and I can't get past that we say that it, that it took watching a person lose their life in order for, so, so what happens then all the times where there's not a camera present? Mm. What happens yes. to all the people yes. who are killed in a back alley somewhere by the police who aren't wearing a body camera or who they turn their body camera off or they obstruct whatever who, where, where there's not where there's somebody who doesn't have a cell phone out where the security footage is grainy what happens to the people like the, the Ahmad Arbery's who are running on back roads I'm from the country mm. Ahmad Arbery is the sum of all fears for me mm. um, I, 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 again, I'm from the country. I'm from, I'm from rural Missouri and it ain't nothing to be going someplace and to end up on a back country road someplace where ain't no, ain't nobody there. There's mm-hmm. been, there's been times where I've been on the way places and have gotten lost and have ended up places. Yep. And that's the sum of all fears for me to be on a back road someplace and get, and get shot and killed. And like, and the only reason why we had the video is because one of the people who killed him was the one who took the video. Mm-hmm. That's that's it. And so I'm like, what what <laughs> happens? What what does justice look like then when we don't have the evidence out there? Where we don't have the the, the, the out there just live and living color and high definition? Mm-hmm. What does justice look like then? That's that's deep. And I think that there's specifically when you're talking about the videos is there there's this tension between i for the vic for the victim's sake i feel like i need to bear witness to your pain mm. but that doesn't mean i have to watch you get murdered i can i can just i can really just choose to believe that what happened happened and still bear witness to the fact that that your life was taken unjustly. And so, yeah, I think that there's this tension that people are dealing with, but there's also like, you have to remember that looking at, like watching stuff like that is so dehumanizing. Like it's not normal to what to literally watch in a real life, a real life human, not somebody on TV, not a movie, not a, not, not a fictional story, a real life person on this earth who was living and breathing, get their life taken. It's like that's not normal, and I think that there's there's a level of, and this is where I say the media is culpable because they know that and they Ooh. are trying. L- listen, I studied journalism only for four years. I've only been in college for four years, but I studied journalism. I know this stuff is intentional. They sensationalize they sensationalize this stuff for their for their views and for their profits, but also knowing that you're going to get desensitized to it and they can play it over and over and over again. And and it's going to get them advertising dollars. It's going to get them all this, all this different stuff. Knowing. Speak on, speak on it. Keep on. Knowing that every time you watch it, it desensitizes you again. And the next time you watch it or the next five times you watch it, eventually it's like, you're not going to have any kind of human reaction, completely desensitized, completely dehumanized. Mm. And we have to, we have to resist that. We have to, we have to stand against that. And it also brings to mind the fact that um, when our ancestors were literally getting lynched, hung from trees, white people put that stuff on postcards and sent it to each other. Like it was entertainment for them. So 
so there's no there is no there's no reason for any for any of that to to be there's no reason to watch the videos there's no reason for it to even i mean yes there's a reason for it to be public for for the sake of the trial i suppose but there's no reason yes just like the mass shootings all of that um so yeah i i think there's a tension but we also have to name what it actually what it really what it really is and what it's doing to our ability to um see the full image of god in each other Mm. um and yeah what does justice look like what what she said with when there is no evidence and oh that's a tough question that's that's a tough thing to even just mm-hmm. sit with and that's the thing like there's just so many just like yeah I guess there's just so many like questions that you really just have to be just just be be okay with the tension and the discomfort of sitting with and maybe not mm-hmm. knowing the answer and then allow yourself allow your imagination to expand for what justice could look like mm-hmm. and I think you know you and Tyler were talking about um what i mean what if anything is the practical thing to do in this situation and i always i always pray even though of course this is not the way i would want it to happen i always pray that more people you guys were talking about radical being radical i hope that more people are radicalized by this because while there's a community of people who will who of course use that term pejoratively the the original way that the term radical was used, like the root word radix from the Latin, the Latin term root word radix means returning to the root of something, getting to the root of something. That's what radical politics is all about. It's getting to the root of whatever it is you are um, organizing for or against. And I'm, I'm, I'm really just kind of held and grounded by the fact that Jesus himself, the incarnate God in Luke 6, told us, that a tree is known by its fruit for a good tree does not bear bad fruit and mm. a bad tree does not bear good, bear fruit. good fruit. Mm-hmm. So why are you going to look at a bad tree with bad roots and expect it to bear a fruit, to bear an apple that you can just pick from the tree and eat and it's going to be good. Ooh, you can't that's do that. A word. That's a word. <laughs> so I am grounded by that scripture. And no matter what people try to say about, um, how how unbiblical it is to be radical and is that even biblical and all the legalism and all this different stuff that you that you guys were talking about it absolutely is it's right there in scripture we can talk about it Mm. Um, Mm. yeah but you talk about the lynching aspect of that and that the, the the aspect of our lynching being entertainment for people and it being it being entertainment specifically for white people. I mean, we weren't we weren't out here like, oh, we're gonna go to a lynching. We're gonna we're gonna pack a picnic lunch and go and make it a whole event and a whole spectacle um, on Easter, which that that literally happened. Um, some in Springfield, Missouri, that literally happened. Wow, there was, there, there, there was an Easter on lynching Easter? on Easter. People wow. went to church and then went downtown to watch somebody be lynched um that for that for sure happened in 1906 um that is i think that we you are so right about the dehumanization the dehumanization and the desensitization that happens when we view black death 
over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And it's put out there and the still shots and the and the, and the videos, and you can go see these things on YouTube. Like I, like I referenced earlier, I have a friend who talked about them as being snuff films. And that is so dehumanizing to us. And I fear that because that we are becoming bloodthirsty because of that. Our society yes. Say is that. becoming bloodthirsty because now we aren't going to believe the testimony of the people who were there, of the people mm. who witnessed it. Of mm. we're, we're not going to believe that testimony. We're not going to believe the testimony of the dead body lying on the ground. We need to have the blood. We need to have, we need to be able to see it on the screen. Now, don't get me wrong. I think that having the police body cameras if we had had a police, if, if, um, if, oh, Derek Wilson, whatever, Darren Wilson, if he was wearing a body camera, whenever, whenever he murdered Michael Brown, we would be having a different conversation. Oh, absolutely. I'm not against have uh, the fact that we know about Adam Toledo and that the Chicago police couldn't, the crooked behind Chicago police, FYI, they're crooked as heck that they tried to cover it up, but the body cam footage was right there. And the family demanded for the footage, um, I believe it was the family demanded to see the footage. I think that that's important. That's important. Yeah. That's an aspect of bearing witness. That's important. My question be, then becomes at what point does it, does it stop being bearing witness and does it become bloodlust? Because you can, yeah. you can watch something one time to bear witness to what it is, but when does it become bloodlust whenever we're playing it? Over and over and over and over and over and over again. We're playing the audio from it over and over and over and over and over again. And that and that is an issue. But girl, that that exegesis that you talked about, <laughs> that exegesis, <laughs> exegesis, the root and the tree and the fruit and the whatever. Listen. Oh my goodness. That if you want to talk scripture, bottom. I can get into scripture. We can Okay. Get in the get in the book. Get in the book. <laughs> my biggest Con, maybe not concern, but I guess hope is that this doesn't. And I guess this is why I have a hard time. Um, I'll say this for the day of, you know, whatever it is, whether it's a trial, conviction, uh, verdict, whatever. Emotions, all emotions are valid. I don't ever want to be that person that's going to police the way someone is um, is, uh, handling it and taking it in, but tomorrow or maybe next week, my foot ain't coming off your neck. I'm challenging people to really, like, if you are serious about the fact that, um, you want this oppression to end, we have to organize for it. We have to, mm. um, I can't remember who said this, but, it could have been a dead president. I hope it wasn't, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, I We have to organize, uh, people who love peace have to organize as, as well as people who love war. Like, we have to um, organize for our liberation. And what I think um, really kind of grounds me as well is knowing that we have elders out there who have been seeing this stuff and and reliving this stuff since the early 1900s since the 19 uh 10s 20s 30s 40s and they are they are tired um, i mean of course we're all tired but 
they are tired, I know, of reliving the same thing decade after decade after decade after generation after generation. And so I'm organizing so that you, my elders, can rest and you don't have to keep mm. stuff. And not just for my elders, for our children um, and for future generations. But I think so much about our elders who, who may not be in that kind of fight anymore they're, because they're, just, they're traumatized and they're tired and they want to rest. And as valid, I'm fighting and I'm organizing for your liberation, too. And there, I mean, we have elders out there who are still in the fight. You know, Angela Davis is in there. We got political prisoners who are organizing on the inside and the outside of the prisons that are, that have been keeping them there for 60 years. And um, I'm reminded of them all the time. But really just, I really want to be able to, I think that's just what holds me is knowing that, um, is, is, is knowing that I want my elders to really be able to. Mm. Wow. That, that is so great, Bria. And you, you said something that I think is really important is that we have to organize for it. Um, in my neighborhood, I uh, passed a building recently that said something to the effect of that. It was something like, um, study study is the key to organization or study informs organization and so i i could it, it was put much better on the building i wish i could remember the exact quote because i'm trying to say it and i'm butchering the quote but the idea um is that it was, it was painted on a, on a building and the idea is that in order for us to organize um i think it was like like studying or study feeds or fuels organization or whatever but the idea is like if we're going to organize we have to, we, we have to, we have to study. We have to know. And this isn't yeah. to be, this isn't to be classist. It's not to be ableist. It's not, I, I study might yeah. look different for, for different people. Um, I think that's study according to your, according to your ability, but yeah. being informed, being informed of, of different ideas for liberation, um, being informed of different types of praxis. We can't just get, you can't just see something on social media. You can't just see people talking about abolition on, on social media and that, let that be the full information that you, that you have is you right. say, somebody says abolish the police. Oh, that, well, that doesn't sit in my spirit. Right. And then you <laughs> go on. Come on. And you go on and you dismiss it and you and or you look at who it's coming from and you decide, ooh, I'm not sure about that person. That person's not even a Christian, or that person is like a Christian, but they don't seem to be living like the Christian life or whatever. And we and we dismiss it. it. Like we like I, I it, it requires us to become informed and to inform to to inform and educate ourselves because that's you said something very very good earlier about liberation being a collective effort and something that i've been that i've been saying i've said i've said i've told told you the story i've told different people different people this story about how i was i was at a protest last year i had an organized um and it wasn't even really an event it was just kind of a pop-up protest in my neighborhood last year that happened and as i was sitting and listening to all the people who were talking i realized like oh my gosh we are in sore need of leadership. Like, yes, this is, this is a, as a people, like, yes, this is, this is a pop-up. This is a bunch of Negroes just happened to be driving by someplace. It's also people <laughs> sitting out there. And so it was all like, we're, we're all going to gather, we, you know, no, there weren't any aims. There weren't any whatever right there in the moment. But in listening to different people talk, listening to kind of what was, what was on their hearts and on their minds, I was like, we are, we are a people that is in sore need 
of not just not just leadership, but for us to to have knowledge, to have zeal according to knowledge, yeah. and to and, and it, because it's a collective, it, it's a collective effort, and we all have different lanes. Mm-hmm. We all have different things that we that that I believe that we're that we're called to do. Some of us are called to do that that hard, thankless work of bridge building, of being there with our white in Christ and holding their hands and helping them along the way. They're helping them to, to, to understand what racism is and helping them to divest from a system that is harmful to help them to, to identify within themselves the, their complicity within the system. That's that, that is some people's work. And we should not dismiss that work. I think that some, some people who work in, the work of liberation. We look at the people who are who are building bridges to white people, and we want to and we want to down that. We want to be like, why are you why are you doing this? Why are you whatever? But there are so many different lanes of this work. There are people who are community organizers. There's people who are educators. There are people who are in the streets. There are people who are who are working with within within care and mercy ministry or whatever or what have you. And there are so many different ways and different things that we can do to organize. But the idea is that we is that we should organize and that we should something that, that kills me is that sometimes we undo one another's work right we undo because because we're working from you know maybe different principles or different practices and we'll sit and we'll undo one another's work we'll confuse one another we'll confuse the white people we'll confuse everybody <laughs> but this but this idea of our liberation is bound up in one another and whether that one another, whether we view it as the black collective or whether we extend that to um, our, our, our siblings who are um, Brown and indigenous and people of color, Middle East or North African, whether we extend it to them or whether we even extend the um, connection of our liberation up to white people, whatever our, our ideas are on that. We we are not free until we're all free. We're not we're not free. No nobody's free until until we're all free. We're not free. We're not free until we can until we can organize for it and say, hey. So I'll let you I'll let you have the last word on this, Bria, and we'll we'll wrap it up. I get the last word. What you, get, you, get the, you get the last word, right? <laughs> well, um, I just want to say that uh, I am in constant, constant, fervent prayer for wherever um, we are collectively at this time, um, like just the community of of Black folks in general, but even extending out into that, um, just praying that we would would be able to sit with our complex emotions and um, feel them out together and Again, like I was saying before, to not skip steps in the process of grief and lament and to not, um, I guess, to not feel like we have to rush ourselves in um, getting over or whatever, um, whatever it is that we're that, you know, people are going to say in these next few days. Um, you know, people are going to say like, hey, like Tyler was saying, like, hey, we got to we got a verdict. Let's rejoice. You ain't got to do that. And in fact, you shouldn't do that. Um, so, um, I'll say that and, you know, just what we were saying as far as organizing and reading and studying for our liberation, like, we got to commit to that, y'all. And, um, you know, it's, it's not, um, it's not a form of, of, of us trying to be, 
uh, elitist or classist or anything. But look, there was a reason the Black Panthers had a whole list of books that they had, that you had to read before you could get in that organization. Um, mm. Listen, we got to read, we got to study. Um, and I'll say too that what you were saying about um, undoing each other's work, that also comes from us being individualistic, even in trying to, to liberate, to, to work for our collective liberation and saying that like, Oh, I need to, I need to go and start my own organization, even though I haven't researched the 10 organizations that are in my city. So maybe, maybe start there. If you don't know where, if you don't know where to start, you start there. There are organizations. I promise you, there are people who are already doing the work that is, that you are passionate about, that is near to your heart. So before you go and say, I need to go and start my own thing and get this whole, you know, entrepreneurial kind of capitalistic spirit of let me go and start my own thing. Go and join the organization that is right down the street from your neighborhood. That's really all I got to say. Mm, well, May the Lord is- bless you and keep you and let us be liberated. Oh, ooh, <laughs> that's it. Yes, yes, Shondo. Okay, well, we gonna leave it there then. That that was that was a good word. Thank you so much, Bria, for joining us. Thank you, Tyler, for joining us for Behind the Mic. Hopefully next week's Behind the Mic. We'll, if, we, if we do it next week, we'll have to, we'll have to see what's, what's going on. Um, but thank you for, for joining us for Behind the Mic. Absolutely. It's been an honor, Saints. Yes. Peace. Peace. This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.